I'm Michelle Sims, and this is the Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. This episode is about Michael Nitty's journey. Michael has had his share of ups and downs, just like many of us. Early in life, he found himself facing divorce and in a very dark place after his wife ran away with his best friend. Then, an invitation to a seminar changed his world. The way he viewed life began to shift, and before long, Michael was teaching the seminars that he used to attend. From there, he went on to become one of Tony Robbins' top coaches, later transitioning into a life and business coach in his own practice, and he has been changing lives ever since. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes and even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of experiences, lessons, and knowledge. So join me for episode 25 of The Beauty in the Mess called Transform Yourself by Empowering Others with Michael A. Nitty. Michael has over 30 years of life and business coaching experience. Michael was once a Tony Robbins master coach and a top executive for Robbins Research International. And now he has his own full-time coaching practice. Michael coaches award-winning celebrities, sports stars, CEOs, financiers, investors, doctors, attorneys, and similarly high-level professionals from all over the world. He is the author of The Trophy Effect and co-author of Mastery, The Art of Living on Purpose. Michael believes that the secret to being happy and living a purposeful life lies in the act of giving of yourself to empower other people and being intentional on how you show up. And at this time, I would like to issue a trigger warning. In this episode, we will briefly touch on suicide and or suicidal thoughts during this discussion. So if this may trigger extreme emotional distress for you, you should probably skip today's episode. And if you or someone you know is contemplating suicide, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline immediately, which is available 24 hours a day at 1-800-273-8255. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Hello, Michelle. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I know that you're an extremely successful life and business coach now, but I was wondering if you wouldn't mind telling us how you got to where you are today. What led you down this path? Would you mind talking about that for a few minutes? <laughs> a few minutes. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> However long you yeah, Well, I'll give you the quick version, but uh, the truth is, obviously, I wasn't always that. And I've been privileged to be doing this for 40 years and 30 professionally. So I, I think because, you know, probably around the middle time there, I was fortunately connected with Tony Robbins and I was coaching with, I was Tony's top coach for a long, long time. And I've since retired and now I'm coaching just as many clients on my own, but it wasn't that way, as you just said. So 
Yeah, I was just a regular guy, but I was lucky that my dad owned a manufacturing business. And at a young age, I got involved there and really loved it. And I was feeling on top of myself at 21, 22 years old, a typical guy driving around in a fancy car, making good money and ended up getting married way too soon, but you know, having fun. And suddenly I realized that I'd given up all my stuff that made me me. And I guess I got boring because my wife ran away with my best friend. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. I was sorry too, but <laughs> not only sorry, I was suicidal. Oh no. It was terrible. I was in my late twenties and I had no clue and I couldn't get out of bed for 30 days. And an engineer at our company came up to me one day and he goes, I know you're not doing well, but I just went to this course. And I tell you, if you go to this course, you're going to be amazed. And I didn't even know what a course was. What do you mean a course? Go to a college course? I mean, he goes, no, no, it's a seminar. You're going to, you just got to go. And this guy was kind of weird. And he wasn't being weird at that moment. He wasn't, he was being kind and different. So I was intrigued, but I wasn't going to tell him I was going to go. But I did go that night and went to the little introduction. And I said, wow. I was intrigued. So I went, it was two weekends long. It was something called the S training back in the seventies and eighties. And I got hooked the first weekend. There was an ex doctor who was the Tony Robbins, the guy leading the thing. And I couldn't really understand it really had no clue, but I could tell it was profound and I just got hooked. And by the second weekend, I pretty much was getting it. Took me probably a little bit more time after that to just get the shift in consciousness and to see things that I've never seen before. And next thing I was leading courses for them and it all started there. And I instantly became a coach, but I was mostly doing group coaching in the organization and ended up coaching somebody who later became one of Tony's vice presidents. But more importantly, I coached a gentleman, an attorney that Tony later brought on as his president in 1987, I believe. And I was still coaching and doing my other stuff. And in 1993, was it? No, 1997, this gentleman knew what I was doing. And as president of Tony's company, a CEO of Tony's company, he actually called me and invited me out to come work for Tony's. That's amazing. But I was ready to come out and coach. I'm a coach. And even though I had executive experience and had run a company, that's what they wanted me to do. And I was kind of disappointed. (laughs) I'll do that, but I really want to coach because I knew what Tony was doing and all the seminars are about coaching. And he didn't even have a coaching business yet. But in 99, I helped start the coaching business with this other lady that I had actually worked with in the seminar, but a training business I started back in the early 80s. So It all worked out good. We all got together. We were in San Diego. It was wonderful. And I was with Tony all the way until last year when I retired and eight years as a vice president in charge of the operation and then a coach from that point on. That's an amazing story, actually. Anyway, that's where I've been. And I'm just privileged because I also hooked up with a bunch of other high-end professionals and they fed me clients. And next thing you know, it just, it explodes. So it's a privilege. It's a privilege. So since you've retired, you're saying it's exploded your own practice? It exploded immediately, even when I was working with Tony. So I bought private clients before I worked with Tony. So obviously when I worked with him, he sent me a lot of the high-end clients, of his high-end clients. And I happen to know some very other successful people who sent me high-end clients. In fact, I work with the top hormone replacement doctor on the planet, Dr. Erica Schwartz. And she works with a lot of high-end patients. 
including she worked with the longest running executive producer in Hollywood of the television show Extra. And so she needed some coaching for something going on in her life. So she hooked me up and I was coaching this Lisa. And she actually, after six sessions, she stopped me halfway through a session. She goes, that's it. I have this segment on my show, Extra TV, where we call it the masters. And Tony was even on and, you know, all these big time coaches. And she goes, I want you to be on as a master as well. Wow. (laughs) Just me. And I got to be on the show as a master. And I'll never forget, I was at the set at Universal Studios and the set production crew. I was waiting to be called up with Mario Lopez. He was the host. And I remember the guy, we were having fun. He was talking to me and he goes, you know, I got to tell you something. I go, what? He goes, well, last night we had Jennifer Lopez. I go, that's nice. He goes, and we had Denzel Washington the day before. I go, that's very nice. He goes, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) It was too funny. (laughs) That's funny. What a story though. How do you, when you're at rock bottom, what is the key pivotal thing that helps you start digging out of that? I mean, I know you said you took these courses, but what was the thing that actually started turning it around for you? Was it like a mindset shift? Was it self-talk? What was it? Yeah, talk yourself up. I mean, obviously you can have some better circumstance or something great happens, but I've coached people who you know, came upon a bunch of money and it still didn't shift their psychology that much. They were still either depressed or unhappy about whatever happened in their circumstances. First of all, let me tell you, I love the name of your podcast here. Thank you. Uh, yeah. You know, it's being able to bring your truth and your consciousness and your intention to the party in the middle of the mess. You know, you you can't the mess to go away. It's like you're asking, it didn't suddenly go away when I met the next young lady or I got the job or whatever it was. So what I've learned and what I teach is that we all have within us the ability to cause ourselves to show up in spite of the mess. Anybody can show up if there's no mess. Very true. (laughs) So it's really powerful when you're able to do that. And what you do is most people think it's about getting something more or better or better circumstances. And those are certainly wonderful things. I support everybody in getting the best circumstances you can. But it's really about how you're showing up. So when we all own the ability to step into our power no matter what. And a lot of people hear that, but they go, well, if I could do that, I would do that. (laughs) But I just can't. I'm not happy right now, or I'm not feeling it, or there is a big mess. But with what I'm able to teach people, how I'm able to interact with them, it's usually not too many sessions before we get them to see that they do have the power to do that and that they have the ability to bring it to the party on purpose. Because here's what's happened. The distinction is that most of us, because of the way we're put together as human beings, which are animals, we are animals, okay, we are mammals, we have a survival instinct. So the truth is, we are living in the action of our survival instinct more often than not. We just are. We think we're doing everything we're doing because we're doing it because we say so. But mostly we're just in reaction to our fears and what isn't working. And even if something is working, as soon as something happens that causes us to go into reaction, we go into reaction. And it's just we're not bringing our full self to the party in every moment. So what's available, though, is when you totally understand that what it is to be human is to fall prey to the messes, is to fall prey to whatever's going on around you, to fall prey to the things that aren't going well, and understand that that's normal and quit adding the meaning to it, 
then you're able to step back into your intentional self and bring yourself to the party on purpose. And if you're going to bring something to the party on purpose, what would you bring other than your love and your intention and your life and your joy and your contribution? So when you know that it's not really about you and it's what you bring and the difference you make, and you can do that in a heartbeat, so right. you can't change the circumstance. You work and eventually you can. But you can change you. First, you have to recognize you're in reaction because anytime you're not feeling on top of your game, where are you? You're in reaction. <laughs> you're in reaction with something. Something set you off. In some way, you're in reaction, which is normal given that we're animals and we're always on the lookout for challenges. The mind is in the background and we're reacting to whatever it's just telling us isn't right, wrong, whatever it is. But when you own the ability, which we all do, but we don't know that, when you understand that you can step back into an intentional state, that's what you do. You just are able to do that, no matter the circumstance. And then once you are able to do that successfully, you start to realize, well, wait a minute, I can probably do this just about any time. And you can't. And you can't. So that's what I teach people. Not just that you can, I teach them how. And when you're being that way, you just bring your power to the party. Why wouldn't you? So kind of a mixture between bringing that power to the party in support of what you're creating, because we all want to create great things, you know, maybe make more money, get a better position somewhere, whatever we do. But the real secret is giving it away, obviously, is empowering others. That's just the secret. So it's why I would never not coach. I mean, you know, no matter how much I might do elsewise, and I love to do other things, and but when you're able to, you know, why do you have this podcast? Because you want to empower others and cause, you know, bring guests on that will help empower people. And, you know, you have that, you want to make a difference. Exactly. You want to align with your higher power and you want to make sure you bring that to the party. By the way, we can do that in any moment. Anybody can do that all the time. So that's the secret. And that's what I teach. So uh, along those lines, like you were talking about how you coach high-end individuals celebrities or sports stars or whatever but we're all kind of seeking the same thing i feel like and i could be wrong because i don't have tons of money <laughs> or a mansion but i feel like no matter how much stuff you get yeah you know, we're all still looking for that same thing which to me is self-love or self-worth a lot of us so how does that play into it <laughs> it's true and from my perspective and when i'm working with people it's probably one of the reasons i'm able to like squeeze it out of them so quickly because that's all i see is self-worth that's all i see in people i see it when they don't see it because first of all why would you not have self-worth except that you don't feel that you have it we're all the same we're all the same we all have the ability because self-worth is basically built upon what you're giving away okay the real secret to my prosperity i'm never not happy it's just the way it is. I don't have anything special inside of me that somebody else doesn't have. It's just the way it is. Because why wouldn't I be? Okay. I'm not saying that things don't happen. I've had some medical issues and some things happen in life and we have to move and this happens and all that stuff. But the truth is I bring it to the party because why? Because I give it away. So it's all about what you contribute. It's the difference you make. And the truth is in my life, I can't go into the grocery store without complimenting everybody I see, not just throw some random compliments out there. Oh, you look so nice today. I do that, but obviously you have to do that in an appropriate way. Otherwise right. somebody thinks it's a little weird, but you know, I can't go through the checkout line without acknowledging the cashier and the guy putting the stuff in the bag. But I also allow myself to be moved and inspired by them. I'm here in Florida where Publix 
has a beautiful thing. They use a lot of handicapped individuals to do the bagging. You know, people maybe a little less, you know, maybe disabled a little bit or just some kind of a handicap. Right. And I allow myself to be moved. So as I'm sitting there watching this guy putting the stuff in the bag, I allow myself to be moved. Like how beautiful for him to be doing that. How beautiful for the store to hire him. So I'm constantly looking for that, okay? And then I acknowledge it, whoever I need to acknowledge it. I'll walk up to the store manager. I'll tell him, I just really appreciate your policy. So why would I not? But most of us don't, not because we don't have it within us to do that, but we're too busy not being happy ourselves. <laughs> the very secret to being happy is to do the stuff that will make you happy. Not worrying about your circumstance. Now, there are some people with tough circumstances. They may not even know where they're going to get their next paycheck or their next meal. So I obviously have empathy for that. Like most people that I know that are not really truly happy or really in charge of their lives are not those people. They're the ones that really are just fighting the circumstances, not feeling good about themselves, feeling that they're not enough. But that brings me to the next point. There is something we do want to know about human psychology. And that is, is that we all fall prey to a couple of innate human fears. And that would be the fact that we feel like we're not enough, that we're not good enough, and that we won't be loved. Right. And so we all have this fear of not being good enough. All human beings have that. I have it, we all have it. I override it by cutting it off at the past by never letting it fester because I'm too busy giving love away. And I get to work with people and cause them to have shifts in their life all the time. I mean, what better thing could you possibly do? I would recommend everybody just become a life coach. You know, seriously. By the way, that means even if that's not what you do for a living, I'm coaching a 20 year old right now. We're on our third session. And he is learning already that that's what he's to give it away. And 20 year olds don't want to give it away. It's all about them you know, right. at that point, rightfully so. But it's funny how quickly he's picking this up. And he comes back and reports on the next call that it's like, this is amazing. <laughs> but the point is, in order to do that, you got to get past the fundamental fears. And the fear is we're not good enough. So guess what? If you have a fear that you're not good enough, okay, what are you looking for unconsciously out into the universe? Proof that you're not good enough. So no matter what happens, it, your mind is going to say you're not good enough. It, it just is. It's, aha, you're not good enough. That didn't have you. That person didn't talk to you. You're not good enough. You didn't do good enough in your job today, or you didn't get a raise like everybody else, or whatever. It just can't be that that happened. Oh, no. The mind is going to try to tell you that you're not good enough. It's going to say because you're not good enough. But what's worse is not only is the mind constantly telling us that we're not good enough, it's remembering that we're not good enough. And it keeps track of all these little moments in time where it has caught us being not good enough <laughs> and it stores them as proof that you're not good enough in the memory bank of your mind. So now not only are you freshly in a moment where something happens and you feel like you're not good enough or why did I say that or I can't believe that or why aren't they being nice to me or whatever, there's gonna be a little thought that we're not good enough. It then goes into that place in the mind where it's storing those little pieces of proof that you're not good enough and guess what it sees while it's in there? A whole lifetime full of proof that you're not good enough. <laughs> so, but the point is, we take that personal. It's not personal. That's what the mind's doing. That's what the mind is supposed to do. So you just laugh at it and say, isn't that cute? The mind thinks I'm not good enough and it's wrong. And then you go be good.
Isn't it kind of like your mind will try to confirm whatever your core belief is, right? If you start out saying, I'm not good enough, your mind will try to confirm that. But if you had the opposite belief that you are good enough, you would confirm that, right? Yeah, I said, well, only as long as you cause it to happen, because the mind is still going to be thinking, believe me or not, it is. Your survival instinct doesn't want you to think you're good enough, because then you'll go do stupid stuff. You could fail. The mind would actually prefer that you did have a little bit of a lesser opinion of yourself. So you would just make it to the finish line without disrupting anything, doing anything stupid, getting yourself in trouble, and you'll be safe. And that's what the mind wants you to be. So actually, it wouldn't necessarily be the one that pats you on the back and says, yeah, you're right. I've been wrong. All that proof I've been proving to you that you're not good enough. Nah, don't pay any attention to me. You go out there and be great. No, it will never do that. (laughs) You have to do that. Right. And that's what I mean, the self-talk that kind but of... You can, but unless you learn how to do that self-talk, you're not going to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Because if you first start doing the self-talk, the mind is going to say, you can think you're good enough, but you're not really. Exactly. <laughs> but it's not against you. Your mind isn't evil. It just doesn't want you to do anything stupid where you're going to get in trouble and not survive. Because its purpose is survival. Right. You're trying to do all this stuff where you could be embarrassed and look foolish and fail. No, it doesn't want that. So now the good news is once you do build that muscle, now you don't even listen to the little voice when it tells you you're not good enough, but you got to build that muscle and get there. But anyway, that's basically what I do. I get people to do that and see, get to see that. And then usually then give it away because it's just not about you now feeling better. You know, it's nice to feel better, but really, why would you ever not always give it away? Now that you've started this podcast, would you ever not be doing this? I mean, it must be fun. You get to bring people on. You get to make a difference, right? I've loved it so far. Just the people I get to meet and giving them another platform, I guess, to share their message is, it's neat. Yeah. And I believe we can learn from everybody. Even if we don't share that experience, you can still listen to their story and learn from them. Hopefully accelerate our own journey. A long-winded answer. I'm sorry how it became and what it is and what I've overcome. But now I just get to coach people all day long. So it's beautiful. That is beautiful. I don't think there's any feeling as good as, like you said, giving back to people or giving love to people, however you want to phrase it. Really? Why would you not? By the way, now again, now that also then leaves you with a higher opinion of yourself. So, but when you're doing it from a perspective and you're doing it in alignment with God, greater power, Now it's not just about you because there are people out there who may give somebody a compliment or do something where they're somehow inspiring somebody, I guess. And it's not all just about them, but it turns out to be all about them. And there's too many people out there that are just operating from their ego. And it's not that ego is bad. It's just not as powerful as your true self when your true self is unleashed and you're doing it from a place of love and contribution. So obviously it's also having to take ownership of your ego because we all have an ego. Right. And the ego can kind of lead you depending. I mean, it's different for each person, obviously, but it can lead you down that self-centered path if you're not careful where it's all about you. And that's all that kind of consumes you. And I think that ends up with unhappiness. It does. It's funny because some of those people are what we would call narcissists. I can pretty much make a difference with everybody that I've ever coached. And it's funny because some of the higher end people I have coached and some of the celebrities and the sports are. You would even think maybe sports stars, especially, that maybe they could be a little narcissistic. I tell you, I've only probably met three narcissistic people in my coaching business ever. Wow. 
I've met people who are full of themselves and we have to redirect that to the degree that it serves because that's all they've really ever wanted to do. But they also think that that full of themselves is the reason why they score those touchdowns or they do that thing or they make the thing happen. And I get them to see that, no, they're actually doing it from a place of contribution. And when they give that away and then, you know, it, it's a whole new ball game. But the truth is I'll never coach a narcissist because a narcissist would never come for coaching. <laughs> That's what I was just going to ask. Would a narcissist even seek coaching? Oh, they don't, they don't coaching. They're perfect. They're perfect. There's nothing they need to fix. So you're never going to see a narcissist in coaching. And that's just the way it is. And even if they do good in the world, like they're so narcissistic, they want to make a zillion dollars, they want to start three businesses, or they want to do whatever they do, God bless them. But they're only doing that to make more money and everybody thinks they're wonderful and to prove to themselves that they're wonderful. So if they do contribute, as many of them do, because they employ people and they do all those great things. And narcissists are usually smart enough to at least be kind to some degree or do something nice and give money away, I guess. But the truth is you're never going to have one that comes for coaching and I'm sure they're happy in their life. But this isn't about anybody has no danger of ever becoming a narcissist by coming to coaching, I promise you. So <laughs> just because you get to learn how to be inspired all the time and cause yourself to step up into a place where you're feeling good about yourself and giving it away. That's a beautiful thing. The bottom line is when it stops being about you. Now it's still about you and they can't have it not be about you. I actually charge money for coaching people. So <laughs> I probably always will. Do I also do plenty of volunteer work and give it away for certain people? You know, to a lot of people I do, I work with a lot of women who have been mistreated and stuff like that, other people, but I don't charge, but I mean, you deserve to get paid for what you do, but it's about what you're contributing and what you're giving away. Right. And I find that almost everybody, everybody that comes to me, no matter what they're doing, they obviously want to become better at it or find out what's keeping them from being even better or whatever it is. But most everybody wants to contribute and make a difference, no matter what they're doing. I coach a 19 year old influencer. It's hilarious. You know, these people that influence like on TikTok and, and Instagram and all these different platforms. And it's amazing what these young people are making out there. Wow. The amount of money they make doing that. It's just crazy. But she's an amazing, beautiful, warm-hearted, great lady. I mean, it's just amazing. I think she just turned 20. But what a privilege for me to be able to work with her at a young age where she gets to know that what she's doing is influencing in a way it's actually contributing, making a difference, bringing some of the concepts we teach her in coaching to the party. And not that she wasn't doing that, you know, before I met her, but I think that's probably why she came to coaching, but she's just a beautiful person. She's just an amazing lady, but now she's still going to be doing great and be successful, but it's all going to be about what she contributes and gives away. And I can't pretend to know how much of that's happening out there in the influencing world. But when you really think about it, an influencer, if they're going to influence, you certainly want your kids to be influenced by somebody who's coming from that perspective. Absolutely. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. So whether she's an influencer or she's actually a coach someday, I see that for her in her future. Because the truth is, we're all coaches. I mean, really, we all have it within us. And the only thing that keeps us from doing that is because, well, we have a fear that we're not good enough. So who am I to coach somebody? I can't, I'm not even always got it together myself right so so at this stage in the game do you ever have those thoughts still come into your mind I mean just briefly and you shove it back out or you ignore it but do you ever think for a minute oh I can't do this or I can't handle that no ever 
not because I'm special. It's because that after you do this for long enough, you're just so clear. I'm not saying that there's something that, that don't disturb me. And I'm still human. I think one of the secrets I got to point that out is that you still have, you're still a human being. So no matter what kind of psychology I've evolved and what I'm doing and how I give it away and how I'm always putting it out there in a way that makes a difference and contributes, I'm still human. So remember what it is to be human is to, to be fall prey to your survival mind, your little voice telling you that, you know, so there's only two ways of showing up. You and I are either showing up, okay, on purpose with love in our heart. We're showing up on purpose because we say so, doing what we want to say in alignment with the greater good to expand and grow and cause greatness and cause people to be all that good stuff. We're doing it on purpose. Right. Or we're not. There's only two ways. We're either showing up that way intentionally on purpose or we're not. And when we're not, it's because we have fallen into reaction to whatever's going on in the world around us. We fall into reaction, reaction to our fear of not being good enough, reaction to our fear of it's not going to work, reaction to how we feel, we don't feel good enough, all that stuff. So there's only two ways of showing up. And the truth is, most people, most human beings are living in reaction 90% of the time, 90 to 95% of the time. We are not living on purpose hardly at all because we don't own the distinction. So even if we're doing something on purpose, doing our job, doing whatever we're doing, something happens and we suddenly feel we're not good enough and feeling like we're not good enough causes us to slip back into reaction. So now we're still doing something and still doing our job, we're doing, but we're not as happy as we could be because you're not that happy when you're in reaction. But here's the important thing to know. You have to own your humanity. So the truth is, I may have created a psychology where I spend more time in intention than in reaction, right. but I still go into reaction. If I ever forget that I'm human, like I'm just a human being, it's almost like important to know that because when you are showing up and I am inspiring somebody at the grocery store or whatever I'm doing or working with a client, it's because I'm doing so on purpose and it's a privilege. And for me, it's just a blessing that I'm able to do this, but everybody is. There's nobody that's not able. I don't have any special talent or skills. I've evolved skills, but I'm just a human being. But the truth is knowing that I'm human is also necessary because like any human being, I do fall into reaction. Something will happen, I'll get upset, and I'll go into reaction. And it's funny because my wife knows that I play at this high level and all this stuff, and she sees me when I fall into reaction. So every once in a while, she'll say, what if your client saw you right now being? <laughs> and I'll say, that'd be fine. I'm a human being, I just went into reaction. It's how long you stay there. So, you know, I can't watch the news about going into reaction. I can't see all these bad things out there in the world. Me I go into reaction. I don't even try to pretend like I'm not. You know, it's like, the US, blah, 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 blah. But I'm there. I say what I need to say. And I step back into intention. But everybody has that ability. But if you don't own it, if you don't know that's what's going on, most people think, well, if I'm that way, if I'm feeling that way, it must be because there's something wrong with me. No, you're human. So I own my upsets, my whatever it would be, my anger, even if I'm upset with something. But I know that's not who I am. So if I'm going to step out into the universe or whatever I'm doing, or even be with my wife or go to the grocery store, I immediately shift. So it's important to know that we do own that ability to shift because most people who fall into deep depression or something where they're not feeling good enough about themselves, they don't know that they own the ability to shift that. They don't. I think that's very true. Yeah. 
And because they can't, they've tried. Or somebody can say, quit being so sad, or that happened so long ago, why are you still upset about it? And then that makes it even worse because now they can't shift because they haven't learned the skill set to be able to shift because they haven't taken responsibility for the fact that they're simply in reaction. They think they really are broken. They now feel even worse because they can't shift. Now it's a sad thing. So it's very, very critical that people really discover the truth about their humanity and own their humanity. So you can own why you feel bad when you feel bad or something happens. But you do own the ability to shift, but you got to be taught that. It just isn't natural. It isn't natural. It's powerful, but it's not natural. Because human being, again, the mind doesn't want you to be able to shift into a state where you're going to maybe take risks or put yourself out there where you can feel bad or whatever. Yeah, I think that's true. I think you hit on a key is like a lot of us dwell in those reactionary zones, so to speak. I mean, we don't realize that we can pull ourselves right back out of it. So we just stay there. So I think that's huge. Well, I mean, when you pull yourself out of a reactionary state, something could cause you to go right back in. <laughs> Very true. And the average person would it didn't work. Well, no, it worked, but something happened and you got stuck back into reaction. What, are you going to stay out? You're going to stay in intention all the time? No, I told you, I fall into reaction. I just laugh at it. It's almost just reinforcing the fact that if I ever get too full of myself or forget that I'm human, universe will remind me right away. You're just another, but equipped with the power and the ability and the know-how to shift back into an intentional state. But what comes first? Do you step into the intentional state or do you empower somebody and inspire somebody? I think it's a combination of the two. Like I don't wait until I feel like it if I'm in the line at the checkout, if I'm in line and I want to, should I say something nice to this person who's bagging groceries or should I wait until I feel like it? No, I say something nice. Then it shifts me, then I'm shifting. And why would you not? So what if I don't feel like it? Or like, does that mean you have to do that all the time? You don't have to do anything, but why wouldn't you? If you have the ability to inspire, to cause, to bring something powerful to the party, because what you do then is you also teach yourself to be able to see that in everybody. I mean, I'm so lucky in, to be part of our community, even on Facebook. There's so many amazing people there. This is not social media where we're just posting pictures of the kids. And they do, and it's wonderful, and they're beautiful kids. But if you'll notice behind the scenes, there are people liking each other's stuff in a way where there's power there. There's an appreciation there. There's an acknowledgement of what people are doing. They show up always complimenting and acknowledging. So that's what's great. There's, Social media gets such a bad rap, you know, and rightfully so in many cases. <laughs> True. But when you get into the right group, no, I give it away on social media all day long. And I know you do too. Your posts on social media are beautiful. I love them. Very inspiring. Thank you. But why would I not? But I also have fun creating. So I write those. I create those and write those. And I'll change a word because the word isn't quite right. Because again, because you want to bring excellence to the party as well. Okay. So you want to do the best you can in every moment, as best as you can. And now people have different personalities. So I say that I want to do the best I can. And I will work on one of those things for an hour to get those posts perfect with the right word and everything else. Right. But elsewhere in my life, I'm not somebody who, you know, is perfect. My wife, she's meticulous. We don't have time to talk about personality types here, but I teach people. There's different kind of ways of measuring personality types. There's the DISC, there's Myers-Briggs, and I work with all these personality stuff. And it's good stuff. 
But the point is my wife, she's meticulous. So, I mean, she washes my clothes and she brings the clothes up and she folds my underwear. <laughs> Why would you fold the underwear? I'm just going to put it on. I'm just going to throw it in the drawer. I'm not going to keep it neat when I throw it in the drawer, but she's one of those. And so even though I like spend an hour making those things perfect on Facebook and stuff like that, and I'm a clean person. I'm sitting in my office right now. I promise you, it looks really damn good. That's like my wife's. <laughs> she is like perfection. And that's a certain personality type. And it's a beautiful thing. I honor it, but I can't match her in that regard. But from what I'm putting out there, as long as it's quality and intentional, I know that's okay. So <laughs> it kind of bugs her sometimes that I'm not. So <laughs> human nature. And it's fun to know that kind of stuff so you can get along and you worry about things have fun with it and stuff like that. As we were talking, one thing occurred to me, I, I would like your opinion on finding your purpose in life. What are your thoughts on that? Well, obviously I see there's two purposes. First of all, I said, you notice the people who are really out there, unless it's just in some kind of an endeavor, whether entertainers or there's something they're doing where, you know, they got caught up in something that makes them a lot of money. If you really listen to the people who are out there contributing and make a difference, they usually bring some forth some kind of an intention to contribute at a higher level. So I suggest you obviously start at a place where you're contributing to give something away. Not for free. I meant giving of yourself, inspiring, empowering others, teaching. That's why teaching someone, teaching career, anything where you teach, where you're, where you're causing something to happen at a high level where it's a contribution. So if you're an engineer, you're doing something to make something better. You want to improve the delivery system of something or whatever it would be. So that's a contribution. So very few people I know that are truly fulfilled and feel they found their purpose in life. Does it include anything other than something that's a contribution in some manner? So whether it's a doctor or, you know, or somebody who's contributing in a way beyond themselves. So first of all, contribute beyond yourself. The degree that you're able to contribute by yourself, you're going to find yourself a purpose that is satisfying and something worth living for. And you're going to be in and of itself, you're going to be happy because when you find your purpose and you're giving it away, or you're doing what you're doing. Aren't you doing that on purpose? <laughs> so when you find your purpose and you're living on purpose, you're going to be happier. Right. Okay. But people who are just doing something to get by or just got a job to have a job, but you could have a job just to have a job. You could be a server in a restaurant. And I promise you, there's people I've known that have been servers in a restaurant. They usually end up working at a pretty high-end restaurant because they're so good. But I promise they really, truly are not just bringing the food out. They are serving. They know they're serving. They go the extra mile. They do whatever they do. When you're in the presence of those people, those people have found their purpose. So it's not like there is a, a perfect purpose, but I promise you it's going to be something where it's in service, in support of others and where you're making a difference in some way on the planet. And it can continually evolve. I believe it can evolve over time. Your purpose. Yeah. Well, sure. I think so too. If you're lucky enough to find one where it's also your job and what you're doing, that's great. But a lot of people, your purpose can still be, I know people that volunteer. Right. They probably consider that more of a purpose. They save animals. They do whatever they do, but it's their purpose. Usually I know. People are bringing that into whatever they do professionally as well. So showing up in service. So would you want to tell us about your book a little bit, The Trophy Effect? I know that's all about how the mind works and what it's doing behind the scenes. The Trophy Effect is all about the way the mind is set up to 
prove to you that you're not good enough. So it's always looking for proof that we're not good enough. And the trophy effect explains that and explains how the mind actually does it. What's going on inside your mind, how it stores this information, these little pieces of proof that you're not good enough. And again, it's not doing it because it doesn't like you. It doesn't do it because it's not on your side. It's doing it because it thinks it's going to keep you safe by doing that. And uh, so you don't get yourself in trouble. So that's what it does. And the trophy effect explains how that happens in the mind. Right. So the first chapters explain that dynamic in a very uh, powerful way. And you get to see it. And, you get, and, you, and it's not something that most people say, well, I don't know if that's really happening because it shows how it's happening in your own mind. You go, ah, no wonder I do that. So it explains it in a way where you get to see that I am doing that. Of course, now it becomes, you keep reading because, well, how do I get rid of that? And again, it's not that you ever get rid of it, although it does effectively diminish. It's that you own it to the degree that so that when the mind is doing that, you can simply laugh at it, thank it for sharing, and shift back into your consciousness where now you're showing up in your power. And then it teaches you how to use the same dynamic that the mind uses to cause you to remember that you're not good enough to remember that you are good enough. And you shift the entire thing on the mind and you use the way the mind works, you use that to empower yourself and others. And that's what the trophy effect's about. It causes you to be able to shift from feeling not good enough to owning your power and being able to bring it to the party you have all the time. That's pretty awesome. It is awesome. And I'm privileged to have been able to come up with that concept and observe it for what it was. But I only did that after I got conscious and I was able to see it happening. And that's how it was able to come about. That's been like 15 years ago now, I think, when I had the insight. And then I'm very lucky to have my daughter as a coach as well. She actually works for Tony Robbins as well, coaches privately. But she's been coaching with him for a very long time. And so I never really parented my daughter and my other daughter. I coached them because I was a coach. When she was four years old, I became a coach. Oh, wow. So I coached her. So it's not a surprise that she grew up to be a coach and a high-level coach with Tony. And so she teaches this stuff too, a lot of her own stuff, and she's doing really well. But two years ago, she came to me and said, we got to write a book together. So that's what we did. And about a year ago, we launched Mastery. So this is the trophy effect here. And this is Mastery here. Mastery, the art of living on purpose. And that I wrote with my daughter. So that's available as well. And it's the 12 functions of Mastery, where I actually break them down into this stuff where the trophy effect is all about just the way the mind works and how to override that and learn how to shift that stuff. Mastery actually speaks to the 12 distinctions to mastery. So it's really a powerful and interesting book. And I invite people to pick those up. It sounds so powerful. (laughs) I've been reading the trophy effect, but I haven't got to the mastery book yet, but I will, I'm sure. How far are you on with the trophy effect? About three quarters of the way through. So you understand what I'm saying here, right? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it is, to me, a lot of it's just awareness of what you're doing. You do these things, but you're not even consciously aware that you're doing it. Oh, well, so, very cool. Well, good. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm enjoying it. So if someone's out there, I mean, you have these 30 plus years of coaching, which I can't imagine. I need to say first that I can't imagine having two powerful Tony Robbins coaches in the same household. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> Well, they are in the same household, but she lives in Oceanside with her husband, who is a Tony Rodman's coach salesperson. Right now, but I just met growing up, having two, and, and then family, Christmas, you're both going to be together, I'm sure. 
Well, Erica actually got it at nine years old. And she was complaining about something. And I talked to her in a way where I didn't know it at the time. She told me later in like teen, later or whatever. She goes, that time when you did that, it just shifted. That's a blessing. And she got it early on. But yeah, yeah. The truth is anybody can get it. They can get it. But you have to be shown the way. I had to be shown the way. I was suicidal, if you remember, how I started this whole conversation until I went to that course. And somebody who understood this stuff, the Tony Robbins of their time, these people that were able to see what was so about human psychology and teaching it in a way where it was powerful, it was a very powerful course. And within a mere two weeks, I got it. Now, I didn't practice it and live it yet. I attended another six-month program. And it was probably six to eight months before I really started living it. And then, of course, when I started coaching it and teaching it that way, then I taught myself. Whenever you become a teacher of something you learn, that also expedites the process. That's amazing. So that, that all unfolded in my early 30s. So if somebody's listening that they feel they're on rock bottom, what would be your best advice to give them to get started to get themselves out of that place? And here I am, it's... I didn't forget him. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And I have so much empathy as I say this because I actually got to meet him. Don't be twitch. <laughs> the gentleman that just, what a, what a beautiful man who was not living, his dad wasn't showing up inside of him. So the first thing is put it out there, get yourself some support. It's funny because most of the people who are not feeling good about themselves, are not the narcissists. Narcissists love themselves. Very true. <laughs> no narcissist has ever committed suicide. <laughs> they love themselves too much. So unfortunately, it's the good people. It's the ones that suffer in silence. The ones that just think, why won't people like me? I'm so good. Or I just want to do this. Or why doesn't this work out? Or it might be a little bit of softer personalities or whatever it might be. Or unfortunately, they've been abused. Or something's happened to them and they just can't get past that. They, now they really feel they're broken. It's the funniest thing. I've coached so many, especially women, through a crisis in their earlier years. And you get raped, you get whatever happens to you at a young age, and right away the mind says you're not good enough. So the terrible person did it to you, and your mind is telling you you're not good enough. Well, if I was good enough, they wouldn't have done it. That's not true. It had nothing to do with you. But that's not what the mind says. So now you're broken. And you'll never get over it. You can never let go. Oh, my God. So there's so many people and so many reasons why people are not happy or depressed or feeling dysfunctional or whatever it would be. So my long answer here <laughs> is you got to share it. You got to get it out there. So many people willing to be supportive. And there are people that are both coaches and therapists. I always recommend somebody like that. I have great regard for therapists. I'm good, tremendous friends and worked with her forever one of the top psychotherapists on the planet, Chloe Madonis, who you can't even become a therapist if you don't read her books. But And I was privileged to coach her daughter and her granddaughter. But she trusted me to do that. But, because, but she's also understands this type of thinking, not just traditional therapy. So it's all for the greater good. But So I do suggest that you find somebody if you're, you know, and the problem with just, if it's nothing more than where you sit there and you talk to a psychiatrist, I am not at all making psychiatrists wrong. I know some great psychiatrists. There's a tendency to have it be that you're just unloading what's going on and you do tend to feel better 
Right. But oftentimes, then there's also just the dispensing of drugs or something like that, rather than really taking responsibility for what's going on and learning how to override it yourself. And I'm not suggesting that there aren't people that at an appropriate moment in time, depending on their psychosis of what's going on, there might not be some drugs that can help them to get through that. Exactly. Yeah. But, but not if you don't tell anybody. So, you got to not keep it to yourself. I mean, something happened and you got, you just got your mind on steroids telling you you're not good enough. Because again, remember, that is what the mind will do as you're reading the trophy effect. Aha, you screwed up. Aha, there's a bad trophy. <laughs> and you get a whole bunch of them. <laughs> And we don't seem to award ourselves the good trophies when something good happens as much, but we do on all the bad. It's funny, the guy that's the subject of the book, Jason, I lost touch with him 15 years. And he was actually came back into my life and was in our mastermind two years ago. Oh, wow. It's funny. That one that actually was the subject of the book. But again, Superman making a whole bunch of money. I think it was great, but not inside his own mind. So how was he doing when he came back to the mastermind? Did you get an update on him? Very doable class. He's doing great. great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good. By the way, the people that come to the mastermind are usually not people coming to fix. They're coming to embrace this kind of thinking and become more and, and give it away and, and master their minds. So what kind of a mastermind is it? The mastermind I was doing at the time was with a young lady. We call it the mastery mastermind. That's what we were doing. Oh, okay. And so it's all about mastery and just learning to become all the stuff I teach. And I'm not the only one that teaches this. I just teach it my way. And so right now I'm not conducting any masterminds. I'm just so busy with coaching. So that's what I do. <laughs> that's awesome. So is there anything else that we haven't talked about today that you would like to make sure our listeners hear? I appreciate your willingness to allow me to share about the books, The Trophy Effect. I would suggest you read that first. Pick it up on Amazon. Uh, yeah, I can attest. It's a great book. Oh, thank you. And then, and then once you read that, then the next level up would be Mastery, where it just talks about the 12 distinctions of mastery. And the truth is, it's all about just bringing those to the party. It's, it seems like what we do in life is we learn. And if you read The Trophy Effect, you definitely learned about The Trophy Effect. Right. But notice what you're now doing is you're, catching yourself hanging out in the one room in your mind where it's not so pretty and you have to cause yourself to spend more time in the room where your excellence shows up. The lady that invented this little mastermind we're doing right now, this little podcast, and then the way you show up in life, that person, you want to spend more time there. But remember, we're also conditioned if we're good people, oh, we don't want to be too full of ourselves. Exactly. Bad. So how do I be full of myself without being full of myself? Well, I think I'm probably one of the masters at that because I guess it could come across like I'm full of myself, but I guess it's because I know that I'm just a regular guy <laughs> that I really don't come across as full of myself. Come up with confidence, knowing what the hell I'm talking about and willing to change as many lives as I can and support people as best I can. But no, I think that's what makes me powerful is that I know I'm just a guy very little here. <laughs> oh. So as part of that too, like when you know that you're human, you're going to make mistakes, but you can shift yourself out of it quicker as part of the mastery, I'm assuming, but you stop caring as much about what other people think or what someone else is going to say. It's funny, but think I would 
say immediately, yes, you stop caring what people think. And the truth is you don't care that they think bad because but first of all, why are they gonna think bad? I'm sure there are probably somebody who watches maybe 10 minutes of this and go, oh my God, this guy is so full of whatever. But obviously I don't care, but I do care. I do care because if I'm ever showing up in a way where it doesn't show up as real or intentional or something that isn't going to allow somebody to be inspired by what I say, then I would care about that and I would want to shift that. I would want to shift that. So it's mostly just showing up when you're intentional. It's like, what are you intentional about? Like you asked earlier, what is your purpose? My purpose is to cause people to be able to step into their power, own their power first, know that they I've never met anybody that doesn't have the ability to own themselves at a high level. I just don't think everybody doesn't. <laughs> right. Because we aren't, aren't created. We aren't, we don't grow up in a culture where you do that. Or if you do, it's because maybe you are a little too full of yourself, which is better than being not full of yourself, except the narcissist part. So, and it's more difficult for women because a lot of men get their power from sports or something they do. When I was growing up, I put the rector sets together. I put blocks together and stuff like that. Little girls, and I'm not being sexist here, talking about it, and it's obviously shifted in the culture, but they're nurturing. And obviously that we have different blends of different levels of sexuality within us and what we are, more feminine, more masculine. But that nurturing is a beautiful thing but most women don't nurture their little baby doll and think, wow, am I amazing? <laughs> Although they do think, I can't wait to be a mother or I want to do this natural empowerment. I want to do this thing where I take care of and I support and I enlighten and I do all those things. Absolutely, I can get that. But the average young man will either build the erector set or build the thing or take his iPhone apart and put it back together. Or the boys are just more inclined to do that kind of stuff like that and do sports. And so they go out there and they score the touchdown. And so they get to be more inspired and empowered by their capabilities. And they're more able to step into a more powerful way of being. If anything else, we have to soften them up and get them out of their pre-narcissistic ways of being. And it's all about what am I accomplishing? What am I conquering? And so it's funny. So the different kind of coaching for men and women in the different radiant gradients of men and women. And of course, there's the culture that's involved. I actually cover it all. So in other words, when I'm working with somebody, I take into consideration their upbringing, what they've been through, where, how much they were affected by the inequality of the way it shows up with men and women in the culture. And by the way, there's so many people that aren't affected by that, or they've gotten past it, or they don't care. A lot of strong women out there today. They're just off. Right. Okay. There's still some that are still living at the effect of where it's not that way. And so that's something that comes into play with all my coaching as well. Both men, where I have to cause them to be more respectful of the feminine, and women, where more respectful of the self. There's so much involved in this stuff, but it's good stuff. It's all great stuff. I'm absolutely sure you have to customize to everybody because we've all had different life experiences leading us up to this place wherever we're at. Well, thank you for all that you do for the world. I greatly appreciate it. And how would you like people to connect to you if they're listening and they're like, oh, I, I love what he's saying, besides your two books, obviously, but where else can they find you? The best way to get me is on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram as Coach Nitty, but I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm just Michael A. Nitty. 
And I had a limit of friends not too long ago, and I'm privileged to have so many, but Facebook screwed up my account and they can't turn it back on and they can't let me have access to it. So I had to start a whole new account. That's awful. Make sure you find Michael A. Nitty. I know it's terrible. There's also a Michael Nitty on there. That's me, but it doesn't work. So you got to find me at Michael A. Nitty. And then just come on every day and read my stuff. I put it out there for free. So please come on. And if you want to friend me, friend me. And then we get to know each other or whatever happens, happens. But that's the best way. I also do have a website, IntentionQuest, IntentionQuest.com. But I find most people play with me. Nothing happens there. But it's easier to get a hold of me on Facebook. Even if you don't friend me, you can get a hold of me there. But just post it and say hello. But that's probably the best way. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, your posts every day are just beautiful. So I absolutely encourage them to follow you or friend you. I put a lot of stuff out there for free. It's privileged to be able to do that. And actually, I got a gentleman contacted me just before I came on with you today that I haven't talked to, probably coached him 12, 15 years ago. And he just reached out to me today, found me on Facebook and wants to talk this week. That's awesome. It is awesome. Well, thank you for, very much for being here today. I greatly appreciate it. I didn't mishmash and just go all over the place too much, but thank you, Michelle. Thank you so thank much. You. And congrats on what you're doing and making a difference you're making. I'm certainly trying. Thank you. Appreciate it. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Michael sharing his journey and his wisdom has helped you in some way. A couple of things stood out to me through our conversation. Michael talks a lot about the secret to happiness and to a purposeful life is based on giving of yourself to help empower others. In other words, by making sure you're contributing into the lives of others, you're guaranteeing yourself a life of purpose and meaning. Secondly, I loved how he talked about not waiting until you feel like it to show up a certain way. He said, step into a more powerful way of being, an intentional way of being, whether you feel like it or not, and then your mind will automatically shift because if you have the ability to inspire or empower somebody else, why would you not? (laughs) I love that. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening.